coming up in this episode. Well, I am convinced that over the next decade, there will be, I, I haven't thought of a better name for this at the moment, but I'm convinced there will be people that work inside um, large uh, enterprise organizations uh, that are effectively called cre- uh, employee creator managers. So someone that sits between the marketing department and the employee, and they manage all of those internal creators, all of those internal employee creators, uh, and that, that role doesn't exist yet because this is all still new. I've always found it incredibly stupid when people say, I don't care what people think about me. Like, what an incredibly <laughs> stupid, naive thing to say. Like, first of all, you should, right? And and second of all, you're probably lying because like it's it's hardwired into literally all of us to give a shit about what people think about us. That's the way we're made. And when she was born, it was like someone jacked me into a to socket of emotion. I think I cried for about three days straight. Like, did just didn't stop crying, and I was like, "Oh, like where, like where's this coming from? Like, this is weird." Story and, and the components of story. We've always that's always appealed to us since we've been sat around campfires, you know, and drawing them on walls. So, I think that will that will come round again. The Founders Unplugged podcast, hosted by Greg McCallum, raw, uncensored conversations with startup founders. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Tell got, me about I, it. Got, dropped the kids off school, had some breakfast, and then it's just like, and then I did some work, looked up, and it's like, what, and then where's the day gone? <laughs> and now it's PM. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of AM. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. I had a super early start because I, I have a new client based out in China, and so I have uh, these early morning syncs now to try and sort of tie in with their time zone, and like that felt like it was five minutes ago, and that was you know seven o'clock. Where the hell? There's a day gone. It's yes, absolutely let me, insane. Let me just I'm gonna pull this mic a bit closer to me. How do, how do I sound? All right. Smooth and silky, like Barry White. Smooth and silky. It's not. It's not too uh, reverby. No, no, it sounds good. Turn off office heater. No, you're just showing off. Tony Stark. But I, I, I am. I actually thought of that last night. So I'm going to. Um, I've been tinkering around with, I don't know if you played around with the uh, voice chat on ChatGPT. Like, I've not, no. You literally have, uh, like, it's like having a real conversation with a real person. Mm. Creating this little sort of AI type. Uh, the original uh, name I came up with, I think was Dave or something like that. So I'm going to give this <laughs> and it's basically going to be the office. Oh, cool. Own sort of identity and be a character in my personal brand. That's pretty cool. I saw something really cool yesterday. Do you watch um, Mr. Who's the Boss on YouTube? He uh, does like tech reviews. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, British guy. Um, like he did one, I think it came out yesterday of like, you know, the most ridiculous futuristic tech or something like that. And he spent an obscene amount of money on like a transparent TV and all this jazz. But there was one thing he he rated 10 out of 10, which was like this frame that can project a hologram. You know, so you can look at it at any side and there's a nice hologram. And one of the functionalities of it is you can link it up to ChatGPT. And there's like a little Android hologram that is your interaction with ChatGPT. And he said that there is like, that's going places. Like, I, I didn't really get it, I, you know, personally, but I can, I can kind of see what he's saying, which is like, if you can link it up as an avatar with other people and real people and, and so on, you've got like a, an actual interactive element to, yeah. to your AI assistant, which I guess is pretty cool. I do wonder where the um the sort of uh, future of uh, AI and and I, I I have a theory that that I think it's going to make us because because I'm a romantic and I and I believe in 
people that the proliferation of AI and the, and how quickly it's being dispersed is gonna it's gonna it's gonna deepen human connection. It's gonna bring people closer together. And that's how the, how would it achieve that? Because, yeah. because there will be more prevalence of the. They, I, I believe in balance with everything. So mm. the universe requires balance at all times. And when you swing the seesaw too far the other way, it's got to tip up the other way. Yeah. So, so by creating these these um uh not necessarily fake but 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 uh digital and artificial interactions you're gonna people are gonna there'll be a, a need or a, or a lack there so, so people will kind of like that they feel like they kind of need to you know it's like well this art's been created digitally but i would rather go and see a sculptor or a painter or i think that's right. in those kinds of things as well like sculpting and hundred percent yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree with you. A great example of that is you look at books, right? When the Kindle and, and things like that came out, people were like, this is going to kill the book. Hasn't killed the fucking book at all. Yeah. Hasn't done that at all. Like, if anything, it's created this, this desire with certain people to value the book more, you know, as this, as a, as a thing in the same way that like people still collect vinyl. Like there's absolutely no need for vinyl. Yeah, but there's something about it. There's an aesthetic. There's something pleasing to it. I agree with you 100. percent There's always balance to be had. Yeah, you know, in the same way that the rise of smartphones and social media means we see things like the startup uncapped. You know, the whole idea of it being you go on a getaway, you lock away your phone. Like people will always find a way to try and find balance of it. 100 percent agree with that. So, yeah, kind of. Uh, I'm banking on that a little bit. A large component of what I do with the training that I do is on the surface, it's okay. We're going to teach you how to do. Um, you know, social selling and, and, and how to engage and how to create revenue and market yourself and blah, blah, blah. But underneath that, there's a deeper component, which is the bit that I love. And, and that is physically allowing people to go through a change or transformation or a journey to discover who they are and mm. their voice. That's the, that's the bit that I want to kind of tap into a little bit more, because I think there's that, you know, culturally, um, if you look at, um, you look at the world at the moment, there's, there's so much Kind of disenfranchisement and people kind of i think people the, the speed and the scale at which things like ai are growing is kind of creating this this uh societal kind of lack where people are like they're, they're like well i don't know who i am i don't know i'm, I'm confused i don't know like mm. i think having a a reliance more on kind of story and sort of traditional methods of, of you know deeper understanding of the self and that kind of stuff is is um yeah that stuff's going to be more, like I said, more prevalent. Like a, a narrative framework to hang your personality onto, as opposed to a 60 second version of the way you want to be perceived. Like, yeah. it's like, yeah. it's like, do the hard work. And I think, obviously, well, for obvious reasons, this, this really resonates with me because it's what I've been doing over the past two to three years. Like, yeah. Really go down into the, we, we call it um, in the, in the, um, men's group that I'm part of going down into the well it's like really go down like as deep as you can and kind of discover what your core like the the bits the 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 real kind of small bits of you that make up you and then you can mm. build because you've got a solid foundation to build on but I think so many people go through life and it's like well I don't really know who I am and I don't, I don't need direction and I don't really focus. It's like, yeah well there's a reason for that because you haven't done the hard work to kind of discover or question who you are from a more sort of philosophical sense <laughs> I'd say on the flip side to that, there are people who have made a lot of more people these days that have main character syndrome, right? Yeah. So there's like the, the, the complete opposite end of that, where people, you know, really believe in their own story and believe that their story is the most important story. 
Mickey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, calm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. It's a, yeah. there, there is a balance to be, but but I think that you know I've said this to you before. There's there's a, a quote I heard from um, uh, Steve Jobs, and it's the one that always really sticks in my head. Uh, and he's he's never been quoted as saying it, but his daughter overheard him say it. And it was he said, "It's not love that brings people together; it's values, shared values." Mm. So understand what your core value sets are and you put those out there you create this kind of little spark or connection between other human beings where they go ah i recognize i recognize you in me and that's what creates yeah. that empathy and connection and, and 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 a machine can't duplicate that yet well and that and that's the essence of a relatable character right which is yeah. why we, we connect with characters and stories they have to be relatable in such to some degree they, maybe not i mean there's a there's a whole thing here I, I get quite wound up about sort of the the idea of diversity and inclusion for example in that topic because of you know you have to connect with someone based on the way they look absolute rubbish like you know in, in my opinion absolute rubbish there are plenty of characters that i've connected with that look nothing like me in, into and you know in the realm of fantasy for fuck's sake who can connect with an orc i'm not an orc like do you know what i mean like that that's irrelevant it's about the the, the common struggles we all share yeah yeah there's, there's a yeah. deep um, deeper resonance there which mm. is there's a, a quote from uh, uh carl young which always sticks in my head as well that um, he said all right jordan pearson calm down he said he said uh until you make the unconscious conscious it will it will direct your life and you will call it fate so mm. a lot of what i was doing when i started creating content at the start i was doing it i was doing it massively subconsciously but when you stop and look back at it you're like oh you're just you know, my, my old kind of thing is like getting adults to think like kids again and sort of regress to kind of play and creativity and stuff like that. And I was doing that a lot of my content subconsciously until I had a full on, you know, midlife crisis meltdown. And then I was like, oh, I can see why I was doing that now. Right. <laughs> so, You're going to have to tell me more about that in a moment, but I did, we should probably do the introduction. Um, <laughs> yeah. we, we managed to skip that. I knew this would happen. I knew we'd just get straight into it because we always do. So yeah, obviously it goes without saying we 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 have had plenty of conversations before. This is the first one recorded, um, which is a bit unusual, really, because um, I can only think of one other guest actually I've had so far where it's not been kind of a, a a discovery for me. Well, for us both, you know, with my guests of of who we are. So this is this is a bit unique because we we know each other fairly well, having well considering we live down the road from each other. Literally, like I can get to your house in about five minutes, which is crazy that we're doing this online. But thanks, <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, look, I, I asked my guests to to introduce themselves and their business, what they do. Um, so take it away. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm Nick. Uh, I run a company called uh, StoryScale. I'm a social selling uh, consultant, video coach. Um, we help take analog companies digital by focusing on creating a bespoke strategic social media strategy for them to generate revenue, allowing them to find their collective brand voice through employee empowerment and turning their employees into creators letting them build stories at scale. Um, I think I said this to you before, but I love getting adults to think like kids again um, and invoking a sense of play in my training. I think most grown-ups are, uh, are kids in an adult outer layer. So I, I kind of try and tap into that when I'm training with them. And it's like, okay, we can we can imagine them being these characters and we can kind of have fun and explore this stuff because that the training, in my opinion, goes in a bit deeper. And you, yeah, you use a lot of um, elements of storytelling, especially from like uh, the sort of world of fantasy, D and D, that kind of thing. And you in, in a lot of your uh, 
a lot of your workshops and consultancy does that does that bleed through to even some of the the larger contracts you've done do you still also take that sort of approach or is it more more of a we tone it down a little bit for the, the corporate stuff for the okay kind of solopreneurs and and uh entrepreneurs yeah we go we go all in that stuff and it is i think it's part of the reason why i am um, and again this, this was only a, a sort of rational thing uh, recently but I think it's the reason why I created the community that I've just recently built. I kind of create this kind of space where I can kind of have fun, be myself, and have other like-minded people kind of join me in there because I get to be I get to be a kid again. Yeah, yeah. There's a my my coach Mike said this to me, but we we overcompensate for as adults, we overcompensate for what we didn't have as kids. So for me, it's I'm basically kind of for good or for bad, I'm reliving my childhood through through my community is for me is is pretty cool do, do, do men ever really stop being kids no no i i think um well there's a <laughs> this is a really deeper conversation but there's a lot of of odd rituals that go on with um so i'm part of a men's group which, which you know called man brothers which are local local men's mental health charity and uh, mm. <laughs> there's a lot of things that come up you know um men as as i think they kind of go through like a midlife crisis thing and they don't admit that they are still there's this kind of a lot of un unresolved trauma i think from from uh, being a boy or sort of trans you know um transgressing into into adulthood and if you look at um other cultures like we don't do this in the western world but most cultures go through a ritual or a process where a boy becomes a man mm. we don't have that in western society like and, and girls become women and girls become women, yeah. Yeah. But we don't have that in, in, in Western culture. So you've got, you know, you've got 40, 50, 60 year old men still walking around that are our boys essentially. There's a there's a lake uh, <laughs> house over here, and, and every Sunday you get groups of men turn up with their little miniature boats and they go sailing. And these are like, you know, like retired, like 60, 70, 80 year old men, but they're just mm. big kids playing with their boats. Because there's probably some <laughs> deeper <laughs> unresolved stuff there play so yeah I, 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 I've always seen it as not necessarily because men men stay childlike and interested in toys and gadgets and things like that because they have unresolved like issues of children but just that that is the way we're programmed to be to some extent that we're always programmed to inherently be interested in things and how things work and making them work and because of that's that's kind of part of our biological makeup to in order to be successful and to gather providers that we need to look at the world through that lens to some degree, right? Yeah, yeah. There's an, there's an element of that, I guess, from a sort of biological standpoint. Yeah, mm. yeah. There's there's a, I mean, yeah. The the work that we do with the band of brothers, a lot of the um, young men that that come to us, some of them are have either got kind of gone through the prison system or um or or are, are at risk of it, of sort of entering the prison system. And you listen to some of the stories from some of these young men. Absolutely heartbreaking. Mm. It's no wonder that they're kind of marginalised, or or they've not, you know, no one's been there to kind of listen to their story or hear their story. So no wonder they're kind of angry and pissed at the world. You know, they want to they want to burn it to the ground because they're just yeah. No one's there to to listen to them. So, and that's what we do is we kind of give them a safe space as older men because you know, definitely as a younger man, if you looked at older men, you, there was a certain distrust or and we don't I, I think 
you know, for all the good, and I know I live in the digital space, I love the digital space, but there's something about community and the erosion of community as well, which the digital space has kind of, it's kind of accelerated that, I guess. We don't have, you know, um, or we don't have that often, I should say, spaces where communities can get together and, and actually interact, like young people can interact with, with older generations. And it's, we seem to be more kind of, but kind of marginalised and, and sort of more fragmented, I guess, because of the, the digital space. That's interesting because of, I suppose that that's absolutely true in one sense, but the sort of conundrum there is that at the same time, we're also, it's never been easier to find a community for a specific thing. Yeah. Right. You know, if you can be into a very specific type of fucking stamp. Right. And you can find a community around that and you can find your people and they'll welcome you and, and all that. But you're right at this on, on the flip side of that is just basic community. Mm -hmm. right? Like you said, people connect based on their values. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's easy to find as long as you're aware of what those values are. Yeah. Well, but if you're a bit uncertain, then it's hard to find another group yeah. of people that are also uncertain. Right? <laughs> you don't know who you are. It's very, yeah, it's very difficult to, to sort of align yourself. And I, I think, I think, um, well, I, I know based on, on experience that we do this on a much more primal, it's almost like a, um, instinctual animal level. We resonate towards people based on their value sets not necessarily on things they say or do but just a, it's almost like an animal thing it's like i i, I want to hang out with you and i want to be part of your tribe because there's something mm. you know, that resonates to me and i, I don't know I don't well know. yeah it's a it's a safety thing right like you know if, if you have if you believe that someone that has your a shared sense of uh moral grounding then you're likely to be safer with that personal group of people compared to someone that has something that maybe goes counter to your belief set or viewpoint, because that, that means that there's, there's a potential threat, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're seeing that play out literally right now in the most extreme of ways with what two of the most oldest rival, rival sort of groups of, of uh, thought, the theology that there is, you know, in dating back thousands of years, that's a great example of it. And even within those groups, there are subgroups of people who don't want to be associated with each other for the same reasons. But I guess all... this this stuff kind of fascinates me. Like you know, we talk about philosophy and, and um, uh, theology and stuff like that. And when you introduce AI into the mix, it's like, what is this going to? Is everything we know about philosophy and the self, and how is that going to change the, the advent of AI? Mm. How do you mean? How do well, you see it? I don't. I don't know. I mean, in terms of you know the, I think I think the reason I am, um, you know, I'm I'm so kind of focused on this kind of values thing and 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 humans is I think there's a again there's a disconnect between we are we are biological machines we are part of nature and we are part of the environment and I think as humans we forget that. Mm -hmm. we are an organism um, a very complex organism much more complex than most animals and there's probably an algorithm kind of going on there as well that's a lot more complex but there's there's something about that kind of definition of, of what it means to be human or the or the sense of self that is challenged by the advent of ai and it's like is this you know you're getting this kind of i, I guess i guess 
not since the industrial revolution that we had such a um, a thing that's happening in society where where we're kind of getting this fracturing or kind of splitting of like okay humans want to stay and be humans and then and then you're getting people that are like no screw that I want to become a you know a superhero and plug myself into the matrix and, and upgrade and I want all the augmentations and so so you know from a philosophical standpoint so like, what does it mean to be human anyway mm. where this divergence is happening I think there's a uh, there's a book called Homo Deus which I've been listening to again recently by um, I can never pronounce his name correctly Barara somebody he he did um he did Sapiens I don't know if you've heard that he's about but he he talks about this concept called um, the the great decoupling where uh, um, if you look at you know all experience and all human thought we're getting a machine now that can basically it's smarter than than anyone in the world it knows everything about potentially everything and it's only getting exponentially smarter but it doesn't have the um it doesn't have sentience it doesn't have the moral compass that a human mm. does so, so <laughs> what happens when that happens when you create this thing which which is um is way 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 smarter than we have than we are but doesn't have any conscience yeah do you know what's it's interesting about that i've heard that sort of idea come up time and time again and by the way it was yuval noah harari 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 that doesn't yeah. sound right <laughs> butchered that but yeah it's interesting i've heard that idea come up time and time again and you see it play out in all kinds of literature and stuff like like that but the thing that actually is the missing piece from my perspective which i've only heard a few people talk about is the biological component not actually the sort of computational power or the conscious element like you could in theory um you know code consciousness but the bit that's missing is is hormones right it's it's chemical it's chemical that's the bit that's missing because of the thing that um that defines who we are isn't isn't uh, the coding necessarily it's the interaction we have with our body yeah and and that that sort we of we feel and we um i, I think right. that's the you and you just touched on it there is that this intrinsic link and there's something else that i'm fascinated by because of um you know i don't want to keep rattling about trauma but i there's there's a and it's only a recent area of study there's a, a really great book um that i read uh, when i was kind of going through like sort of looking at my trauma and that and that was uh the body keeps the score and it talks right. The concept of you know this isn't separate from this we're a sensory organism so yeah we experience the world um through taste through touch through sight through sound how how would a computer do that unless we built a um a, a body for it how would it how would it feel sensational feel and that is ultimately they are the the driving components of the algorithm which makes a human it's like i i love you how do you like how do you put that into words or how do you do you know what i mean it's like well, that, it's that feeling yeah that feeling doesn't exist just as code like and, and i think that's the big element people forget about when talking about ai as a whole is like that that can only exist with testosterone estrogen like mm. you know and, and a whole cocktail and even like you know the, the the field of science that's recent you know only sort of now being discovered you know is the the gut brain link and like there's so yeah. many to the human body that that make up the stuff is still what fascinates me is is it's, it's all new areas of study it's like you, yeah you, you know we, we've we've separated this from this and it's like oh, okay when we talk about psychology it's like why have you like this is a you know it's 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 a 
um it's it's one unit it's one thing mm. how can you separate that from from this it's like you have to you have to look at it in context and look at it as you know as as a human organism you can't just but that but that's a very human thing to do though right i mean in order to solve a problem you've got to break it down to its component it, parts before you can from a yeah. wider, yeah i mean it's like it's like saying well why don't we study the entire universe as a whole but well we can't Wait, <laughs> <laughs> we need to do a bit by bit, otherwise you just can't get a picture. I'm sure we'll get there. It's just going to take a very long time. But um, but yeah, that's a really interesting element of that because a lot of people are concerned about the fact that I think it was Elon Musk maybe even said because of that that missing integration between technology from an AI perspective and a biological entity, a body essentially, and and the sort of chemical components. That means even something like empathy is not possible to achieve. It would be a approximation of of empathy, but it wouldn't be close enough. You took a machine uh, and and did um, code consciousness into it, and then put it into an environment like a simulation, like the real world. Whether it would start to develop those? Well, I don't think it would. And and this is at least from uh, like the, from what I the limited amount that I've read on the topic and and sort of tried to understand about sort of neuroscience and all that is it re it requires the chemicals to keep it in balance it, you know it requires the the haptic feedback the biological feedback and the balance that the body provides in all the different forms through chemicals that you know from its environment and it, like we we get in order to to be able to achieve that like that 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 would just be too cold a data it would just be relying on logic there's nothing there to fluctuate it one way or the other, rightly or wrongly, because it's an imperfect system, right, obviously, within the human biology. But that's what makes it unique. And, you know, you always see in movies, like, you know, the, the reason why we managed to fight and win against the aliens is because we have love. You know, it's like, that's the one thing that separates us from all the cold aliens that these people have taken over. These, this race has taken over before. It's like, that's the thing that defines us. It's, it's cheesy, but it's playing on a, on a, on a fairly semi-realistic premise that, I mean, the, the unrealistic thing about that that always pisses me off is that no civilization is unlikely to thrive without that in the first place. So for them to become interstellar to then take over, you know what I mean? It's like, anyway, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> There's a lot about science fiction that pisses me off. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's super interesting. I, I, again, I, I don't know nearly enough about, about neuroscience, uh, neurobiology to, to fully understand the premise that some of these people have, have talked about this on. But it's hugely mm. fascinating because it, it is a missing element and it's one that could be concerning. But I think that that's why there's a there's a lot to be said for looking at um, uh, biotech interfaces. Yeah, well, that's that's something that he, he says in his book is like, if, if you look at the, the as humans, we are he basically says that we are an algorithm. We're an, we're an extremely complex algorithm. but We are mm. still an algorithm. So. If you start to introduce wearables into that and you start to introduce other algorithms into that, it's like, okay, well, I'll just let the algorithm run my day and pick the right mate for me and and do this and tell me when to train and tell me what to eat because the algorithm knows me better than I know myself. So when we start to hand ourselves over to algorithms, what again, what does that mean to be human? There's no there's no free will then, is there? Because you're yeah, but there's millions of years worth of evolution to 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 provide checks and balances to some of that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. As yeah. as opposed to creating a consciousness out of nowhere, which has no checks and balances built into it, like that, you know, the, the body I think will just simply reject things, you know, that 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 it that doesn't interface well, and that'll be part of the iteration. Like you know, as having worked with tech companies as for as long as I have, you need to create an alpha and a beta and and work your way, through, you know, through iterations of your product, right? Like if you create, like like you said, something that's like an algorithm that's going to help you with deciding who to date, what to eat, your body's just not going to 
you know, handle it if, if, if it's not interfacing with you correctly and go, okay, fuck that. We'll have to go to v version two. <laughs> well, you get that kind of uncanny valley thing where it's like, you know, my life is too perfect. So, so I think that happens in the matrix, doesn't it? They, they create the perfect. Yeah. Thing. And they reject it. <laughs> and we reject it because it's not shit enough. So. But, but you know what? There's, there's actually a ton of science to that because as you probably know, like human beings are, are, are evolutionarily wired to be predisposed to negative thought, right? Yeah, of it's, a, it's a really important uh, part yeah. of survival. Yeah. And um, and so that that actual that sort of throwaway line in the Matrix like has a lot of really deep like yeah. basis in science. In that, absolutely, if you created a simulation where everything was perfect, people would be fucking miserable. They would. That be. isn't the way it works. Yeah. <laughs> like life is life is supposed to be hard and there's supposed to be challenges. So. Right. Exactly. It's it's how yeah. we obviously be the dominant species on the planet because we've been challenged quite a lot over over a long period of time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Man, we, we managed to go in deep straight from the, the off, didn't we? <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's probably... I feel like we should be sipping mushroom tea at this point and like you know, beating a beating a, a drum and. <laughs> I've got yes. Yeah, I should have bought some bongos along. <laughs> we'll do that next time. <laughs> Well, let's let's um let's let's talk a bit more about your business then. So, um, you've just redone your office. You were posting about that. By the way, by the time this comes out, it's going to be twenty twenty four. So, yeah. um, so how was your Christmas and New Year? Was it good? Did you get what you wanted from Santa? Uh, I'm I'm not asking for much from Father Christmas this year. Just a few bits. I need a rug in here uh, and a and a bonsai, and uh, I've just ordered a um neon sign for up on the wall in there so i'm not i'm oh, nice. I, I don't require much <laughs> so hopefully yes father christmas will bring me everything i need i'm, I'm going to try and have a quiet christmas this year as well so going back to what we were saying at the beginning about like men essentially being kids like we buy our own toys we get to a point where we buy yeah. our own toys right we become our own santa clauses like yeah. i think that's why generally a lot of guys just kind of get a bit fed up with christmas because you're just like well no one's fucking getting me one. No man. one's buying me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's fucking sucks. Why, why I created this space as well, so I can have. I, I'm convinced that every man needs a man cave, and you're, you're, yeah. you're probably in your man cave right now. You, we need a space where we can just be, you know, be men, and hang out, and just yeah, just do 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 men stuff. <laughs> yeah, somewhere to put the comic books and the collectibles and that's all it. that. Yeah, I've only got one collectible out in here actually, but I've got all my art stuff behind me and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think as like a as a you know, um, you've got family, young family. I've got family as well. We we don't have. There's not you know apart from the shed, I suppose. There's not a space where you can sort of just have your own. You know, like I want to put my stuff up on the wall, and this is my you know, from a purely selfish standpoint, it's like this is my space. You're not coming in it. It's <laughs> exactly <laughs> so it's, like, it's interesting because I, I i know a lot of i've spoke to women before about this and and, and a couple like mo most of the women i spoke to about this understand i think a man's need to have that kind of space but then a couple i spoke to have been like no that would be a red flag for me like if i was with a guy and he said he needed that why why should he have his own space what about my own space it's interesting because I, I, I feel like it's again going back to what we were saying before i think there's a there's a there's a literal biological makeup for a man where i think he needs a solitude yeah, or, or the company of other men as well which is is you know you look at yeah um, i suppose i suppose you've got the the pub kind of fills that role in or that void i suppose in, in sort of uh modern society where men can just sort of go and hang out and do unfortunately yeah 
talk about men's stuff, which is, is in my opinion, is a, is a, a bad thing. Um, which Absolutely. Is why we have, um, you know, things like the Band of Brothers that, that we've set up where, where men can be open and honest and genuine and not, and not you know, the, the usual bullshit bravado and stuff that comes with being down the pub and just, you know, talking about, you know, crap. It's, it's, there's, you know, actual deeper conversations that are there and you can, you know, you can laugh and you can cry and you can just be yourself and be comfortable around other men to be able to do that. And that's, mm. that's quite a rare thing. These days. How did you come to get involved with that? I am, um, I came across them probably, uh, I, I think when my daughter was born, actually, I, I saw them in a um, local newspaper. I was like, I really want to get involved with that and kind of sort of flirted around the edges of it and didn't do anything about it. And then when my son was born um, and then I had a, a, a full on meltdown, I um, I was like, yeah, I'm doing this, doing it, contribute to the community and, and help other young men. So are you technically like a, a mentor or are you just a member or? Yes, yeah, so, so I'm a mentor. So um, all of the older men um, that join Band of Brothers have to go through the same uh, uh, rites of passage weekend that the young men have to go through as well. So we have to go through that, that process the same as them. And then once we've been through that, we go on a, a mentoring or like a mentorship um, program, which lasts a certain amount of time where we get, we get given the tools and skills to kind of go off and mentor these young men. So I think, when I started, I've been, I've been with them now for about two and a half years. I think I've mentored about five, maybe six older men and one younger man so far. So my, my mm. first um, sort of middle to early part of, of um, this year. So yeah, that was that was really uh, really good work fulfilling. And I think a lot of this, um, a lot of this again from a subconscious standpoint. Um, I don't talk about it too often on my content, but my um, brother's been in and out of the prison system. So there's a subconscious part of me probably that wants to help him, but I haven't spoken to him for, for a long time. So maybe I'm, I'm getting out of my system or doing that by helping these other young men. Is he, is he in now or is he out now? Uh, I think he's out now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Any any desire or plans to to try and mend that bridge or is it not yeah really? i think it's um i think it's uh it, it's something i have to do at some point i think i have to cross that bridge at some point so mm. probably will happen but, but yeah it's quite a quite a difficult thing for me to uh to do because um, we've just it's like anything is that kind of you, you give it enough time and sort of it's kind of fester and things just don't you know sort of, of course the longer you leave something the harder it gets right yeah yeah so mm. did you say uh, he was older or younger than you? he's younger than me he's a couple of years younger yeah. Right. Mm. yeah oh yeah that's that's something i've got to address and deal with at some point yeah so you mentioned that that when your son was born you had a, a bit of a meltdown i know that you because for people that don't know who you are, you're you're pretty well known on LinkedIn, right? Which we'll we'll talk about a bit more about LinkedIn because I know that's a big part of things for you, isn't it? And and you you've got some affiliation with them too, with the Creators Program and all this, which we'll, I, I'm curious to know a bit more about because I don't think we've ever spoke too much about that when we've met actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and I know that you've you've mentioned 
you've been fairly open about your story in terms of what you were just sort of touching on there with that, that around that time when your son was born mm. um and look if you don't want to talk about any of this and just tell me shut up that you know it's absolutely fine but um uh yeah what, what do you mean by that like uh, presumably it wasn't because your son was born but um maybe <laughs> maybe some some things associated with that like uh, or just bad timing maybe uh no no i don't think it's necessarily bad timing. i think um i think uh becoming a parent definitely releases and i and i speak from from experience and i'm sure it's the same effect uh, had on you when, when your um, children were born as well it, it releases you know you i think i think the best way i can describe it is when my when my daughter was born it was almost like um someone jacking me into a main socket like before she was born i was quite uh, not emotionless but but stuff didn't used to kind of trigger me too much or i didn't mm. get and when she was born it was like someone jacked me into to a socket of emotion like i think i cried for about three days straight like did just didn't stop crying and i was like oh like where like where's this coming from like this is mm. weird um yes yeah for um I, it's quite hard to well it's not hard because i've spoken to most people about it basically i, I was i was um, sexually abused as a child a family um, and and I, I buried that so far down in my subconscious that um, that I'd completely completely repressed it. And when she was born, um, that just opened up those. It was like you know, the best way I can describe it is like letting a sort of animal out of a cage. I guess it was just like mm. yeah. So so yeah, that that was the kind of beginning of the of my journey to kind of address that. Really. And then when my son was born, it was like right, I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to do something about this because I don't want to, you know, you know, I'm, I'm quite big on kind of uh, um, trauma and looking at trauma. If you look at, uh, think about things like the Second World War when that happened, the the intergenerational trauma that happened from that, from people that came back from the war and then passed that mm. stuff, and then their kids' kids, and they like it's. So I was a big big believer in kind of like I'm just you know I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to fuck my kids up basically. So yeah, this so um, yeah, had had a lot of therapy, um, had a, a bunch of process called EMDR, uh, which is stands for eye movement. I think it's like eye movement rapid desensitization. So I might have completely watched that. But, right. Uh, what it does is is um, basically what happens when you go through trauma, your brain doesn't process it; uh, it gets stuck. So. Um, your it, it's not it's not experienced as a memory it basically gets stuck in your subconscious so what happens with the mdr is you go back into that um back into the into the place or the space where it happened and it is the most surreal thing it's like um the best way you can describe it is uh is like time traveling you are you you're so aware that you're in the present but you're there in the past at the same time and you're mm. experiencing like you're re-experiencing that, that that event again basically so what happens is you actually experience it because what happens with trauma is your your brain shuts down because it's too extreme your brain shuts down mm. so it doesn't process that memory so what you do is you go back to that event and you actually process it which is obviously quite horrific but you process it comes a memory and it's like okay i can throw that away now so, so mm. 
people that um, experience trauma, they have a um, most uh, quote unquote normal people have quite a large channel when it comes to processing emotion. So they can experience quite high highs and quite low lows and they don't, you know, it's like, okay, I'm still in my channel. Um, people that experience trauma, their channels are a lot smaller. So when they experience like a, a small high or a small low, they really experience it. So, mm. so emotional response is a lot, a lot bigger for those people. So when you have the NDR and you go through that process, it, it widens the pathway a little bit more. So you can get back to that, that you know, state of what, whatever normal is supposed to look like, I guess. Yeah, yeah there is such a thing. If there is such so thing. Is, is that achieved through some kind of hypnosis or guided meditation? Yeah. Or? It's, um, I think I think they used to do it as a um, they would they would hold a finger up, get you to follow the finger, and, mm. and it's to simulate you know when you go into REM sleep, yeah, you don't move. So when you go into REM sleep, that's what your brain is doing is processing the day's events. So so it induces basically REM like a, a REM sleep, I guess. But I think I don't think interesting. They don't, they don't use a finger. I, I was, um, it was tapping I was doing. So you, you'd set your hands on the line and you tap either side of your body. Mm. Process the kind of left, right brain and move that, that memory through the, um, through those two bodies of your brain. Yeah, that's where the idea of the pendulum comes from, doesn't it, with hypnosis. It's this idea of, of, of replicating rapid eye movement. Yeah, I've, I've heard it being done with with sound and uh, lights and and all sorts of stuff like to, to yeah to to, to use what what's it called um by sound or something i can't remember what it's called but um yeah that's it binaural sound yeah, yeah um most um, bizarre i i i yeah it's the most uh, I, I couldn't tell you what i had for breakfast yesterday but i could tell you what the color of the curtains were in the room where that event happened and that mm. happened when i was like you know five or six and i'm 40 what now 40 46 so mm. it's bonkers those things burn burn into your subconscious i guess right so is that is that an ongoing process for you or is that is that something that you've kind of you've no. you've done now and and, and you're yeah. sort of moving on from yeah and um and I, and I like to think that the work i'm doing now and the community that i'm building and focus that I'm, all of these things are kind of coalesced so my my business my personal life and and the um mentoring program or, or the men's group that i'm part of all of those things are kind of coalesced and enable me to build out products and services that are so i am so convinced that the future of business is building out products and services that are that are you that are an extension of you mm. but it took me a long time to kind of figure that out and Put all those kind of puzzle pieces together but i i i hope um what i'm doing is helping other people kind of essentially kind of find their voice find their purpose and, and enabling them to be more more of themselves and step into into who they are it's interesting point. isn't it because we've had yeah i mean we've had um conversations about this before and what's super interesting is there's kind of a contradiction that's occurring in that um, when you look at the influencer space, right? So I think, you know, you're on the money. That's been something that's kind of been bubbling up for some time now, where it's obvious that people buy from people and businesses have been leveraging influences to that effect, you know, to great effect, you know, um, by jumping on the back of personality because people have, have resonated with personalities, whether that's because they're vloggers or whatever. 
um, and they're able to push products as a result or their own products and build empires based on personality. So like, absolutely that works without a doubt. But where the contradiction lies is a lot of the time those personalities are manufactured. Yep. And, and that's the really interesting dilemma that I think we find ourselves. But don't you think there's there's a there's a generational shift happening, especially with Gen Zs now, where they're they're seeking out influences that really that are authentic. That res- I, I think we're still in the early or beginning stages of social media and the internet, where okay, yeah, this thing exploded and personal brand exploded and and influence exploded, and it was like okay, how can I exploit this or engineer it? I think that the longer game here is people that are there is genuinely a um, connection between between their kind of values their principles who they are and their authenticity and i think we're going to see a bigger influx of creators that are, that are you know treading that that road essentially if you are enjoying this episode and want to support the show please like and subscribe with notifications turned on i i think it's generational i think it's age related so i think you'll always see the younger influencers and the younger audience resonating to some degree on showmanship and entertainment and false falseness right um where there's going to be a character that has to be played in the same way that if you like watch a kid's program it's all like hey kids well you know it's over the top it's it's acted like it has to be i think to to appeal to a certain age range um and that you get that into diminishing degrees the older kids get but there's still that kind of character that they play but once you get maturity adulthood 21 to 25 that sort of age range i think our bullshit filter is fairly well formed and our and our because of we're, we're more socially acquainted we're able to detect that we've probably been through some enough social experiences to tell us that that's a red flag like you know that disingenuous personalities you know and, and to avoid them and so by that point i think we resonate with a different type of marketing or product or entertainment or whatever. You know, the same way now that the films that I would watch now and prefer to watch now are vastly different yeah. from, you know, now I go back and watch, like Friends, for example. I can't watch Friends now. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's just- You know what I mean? I used to love it. Can't watch that shit now. Yeah, yeah. Just... You know, it, yeah, it's not, it's so, un- it's a product. It's so yeah. like unauthentic and there's not, you know, it doesn't resonate with me. So I think, I think there's all, I think you're right. I think it's shifting that way, but also I think to some degree our bias is in that because we're in that yeah. age group. It's, it's difficult not to, to um, you know, have your own blinkers on and go, well, that's just the way the world is. It's like, well, yeah, yeah you're only one person. Um, yeah, there's... because at the same time, I think there's absolutely a very, very strong case to be made that we're going to see more and more entirely artificial AI driven uh influences yeah. and content creators Which is what i was saying about the, the that sort of balance when that happens and you see that influx of stuff yes you'll get a subset of people that will resonate with that and you'll also get a subset of people that reject it and go no yeah i want more human i want more oh yeah deeper human connection but it will be the thing is though i think it will be the masses that actually want that yes and it will only be it will be a minority that don't. in the same way the masses listen to shit pop music and then the minority listens to good music. <laughs> They'll make a fairly good killing by 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 not talking to the masses. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. But then there's this really interesting sort of middle point as well. Like I can't remember the name of the guy now. He went viral on, on YouTube and TikTok almost instantly, where he used Unreal Engine to um 
and and uh, uh, motion tracking to create his own character, and mm. it was a first sort of you know fully metaverse uh, uh, influencer essentially. And there's a couple that have done that since, you know, in uh, I forgot what it's called now. Um, what are those YouTubers called? VTubers, right? But they've they've taken it to the next level, like with next level graphics and full full motion tracking and you know immersive environments and all that. Like it's interesting that there's also a middle point too. Um, and also where people are able to express themselves sometimes even better, like yeah. through these characters and also uh, keep an anonymity, which is super interesting because there, there is also something about what you're saying in, in this connection with people that actually becomes dangerous. Yeah. Right. Because of, for, from the audience side, yeah. they think they know that person. And you, I mean, and they don't. You can't, you can't ever really know someone and even, you know, if you, if you really get into it, I remember there's a, um, I can't remember the exact quote, but I was listening to Shoe Dog a while back, um, uh, and he, he he was, who's the who's the CEO of Nike? Um, oh, no idea. But, but basically he was saying it, uh, there's a, there's a, like a Zen mantra that he was saying at the beginning of this that he learned from something, but there is, there is no such thing as self. It's a, it's a construct. You right. know, if you really kind of, if you really go deep and get, you and it is really, we're, we're just, I'm convinced that we are bags of meat and skin and bone tied together with story. That's yeah. what we are. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, we are the story that we tell to ourselves. Uh, John Donahoe. Uh, uh, no, Phil Knight was, was the CEO. Of, oh, okay. Uh, so he, that's the current CEO, is John Donahoe. Okay, Phil Knight. Yeah, yeah, it was Phil Knight. So yeah, there's a bit in that where he talks about, you know, the, the self and there's no real concept of self like you know you can't really know you can't really ever know yourself because it's a it's a construct anyway but yeah well and, and what makes self is actually to some degree not not what you believe of yourself but what others perceive you to be that's that's the yeah. reality isn't it is reality there's, is only there's, there's a, a combination of that in terms of yeah that this is how people perceive me and this is how i present to the world this is how yeah. i show to the world so yeah and you're and you're constantly at war with that i think it's like this is how you know this is how um i think people perceive me or how i want to be perceived and this is how people actually perceive me so. right exactly which is why i've always found it incredibly stupid when people say i don't care what people think about me like what an incredibly <laughs> stupid naive thing to say like first of all you should right and and second of all you're probably lying because it, like it's it's hardwired into literally all of us to give a shit about what people think about us that's the way we're made we're we we um we've become the dominant species on the planet because we have the ability to work in groups and and right have social interaction so so we have to care what people think of us in order to become part of that group absolutely generally speaking if someone says i don't care what people think about me they care more than most that's a red flag for you, is it? Yeah, they, they no. Well, well, it's a red flag. Yeah, but it also means that they don't know it themselves very well at all, yeah. because if they, I guarantee you, it means that they are actually more sensitive to that than most people. By by the fact that they say that, that they have to point that it, out, it probably means that's what that's the story they're telling for themselves, right? Yeah. That's the thing they're trying to say because I'm always they they find themselves being so oversensitive about other people's opinions oh, that they're like, saying to themselves, "I don't care what other people think. I don't care." This is what I said earlier, it, and they might actually just be a dickhead. Which, <laughs> because of, they get so much feedback that's negative, they're like, I don't care what people think. So that yeah, that's their stance. Might, that's their well, if you've got to that point, stop being a dickhead. Yeah, there, there might be that as well. But it's, it's like I said, <laughs> your um, 
we overcompensate for what we don't have. So, so when someone, you know, when someone over preaches or over kind of pushes an agenda, it's like maybe, maybe, maybe the lady doth protest too much. I think there's yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe shut up a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's the same reason why people have fallen out of love with Disney, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, we, we actually went to go and see him. Wish. Uh, yes, I took the kids to go see Wish. And, oh uh, yeah. The kids loved it, and I didn't. I thought of it course. Was, I thought it was quite um I thought it was quite quite hollow. Productive? No, yeah. no, it was it was uh it it had it, it had all of the tropes of a classic Disney movie. Mm. And I, that's what its failing was. It was like you should have tried something different here. Like at the beginning when I was watching it, no spoilers, but I was like, oh it'd be really, watch it. it would be a really interesting twist if the main character, the hero, was actually the villain. It's like, wouldn't that be an interesting spin on the on you know the kind of Disney? Uh, you see you've been twisted by hollywood now man like not everything needs to be like you know Sham m night Shyamalan, right <laughs> you know we do you know what i i thirst. i might watch it now that you've said that it's like that because i actually thirst for a bit more of a traditional hero story it, movie because they it, where are they yeah yeah it, it ticks the boxes for that absolutely because now all the heroes they're already perfect yeah you know what I mean? Like, I, I haven't seen the Marvels. Did you go and watch the Marvels? Uh, when I watched the Marvels with my daughter, yeah, I didn't, that wasn't particularly great either. They're, they're, That's what I'm hearing. I think it's, it's, um, well, it's because it's, there's no, there's no hero's journey there, surely. Well, they're no, already all perfect, right? There's no, um, there's no, yeah, there, there, there's no drama. There's no, there's no conflict or resolution. If you've got, <laughs> you like, like Superman, I always had a problem with because it's like, yeah, you know, the guy's invulnerable. Like, he's not an interesting character. Now, Batman. Is a little bit more interesting, mm. you know, trauma. Yeah. Like, so that's why it's become a freaking crime fire. He's human, he can get hurt. He's, he's, yeah, he's more interesting. But then, but then Batman, I think, is more, leans more towards the kind of what we call the uh, shadow archetype in terms of like, that's the, the, the sort of bad parts of you. Mm. That's what makes a human human. It's like, there's good parts of you and there's bad parts of you. And when you smush those two together, it's like you are a fully formed human because we're not. Yeah, Batman and Bruce Wayne uh, is basically Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? It's it's the, the Incredible Hulk. It's uh, it's Iron Man. It's you know Tony Hawk with Iron Man. It, like there's the duality that that's what's interesting with a lot of these characters. But you're right, Superman's alter ego of Clark Kent doesn't really come into conflict with Superman. But I, I don't know. I haven't exactly read all the comics. Maybe there are some great runs. Where they've explored that somehow, but I don't really see how a mild-mannered reporter can come into conflict with the ideology of a invulnerable superhuman. Do you know what I mean? There was there was a good one. Uh, I never read it, but it was a graphic novel called Red Sun, where instead of landing in Kansas, uh, the pod that that Superman gets put in lands in Russia. I heard it this one, yeah, yeah, a bit of an Omni Man kind of scenario, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which I thought was a really nice, nice twist in it. Which yeah, yeah I suppose that's that's the kind of essence of a sort of classic heroes or classic mythology. It's like, what if I take this character and put them into a different scenario, put them into this different? Well, that's why I love those sort of Elseworlds comics. You know, those those alt versions, the multiverse kind of things. When they used to do them well, because of they they, they would take what you knew to be a, a pretty typical archetypal story and sort of turning it on its head. A bit like what Brightburn bit did with that story. Yeah. Right, it kind of turned that on its head a little bit too, and I think that's why um, things like uh, Invincible and The Boys are, you know, becoming quite popular because it's kind of turning. Because we've seen Santa version of these things now. So it's like, so, 
so extreme. Just boys. Yeah. How it's yeah. even been allowed to be. Like how that got greenlit, I just do not know. I started watching them. Um, it's brilliant. From Project V, I think, which is like the Yeah. I started watching that the other day. It's just sick. Yeah. <laughs> that that wasn't it ends a bit there. But it yeah, it's not the boys, but it's it, it, it kind of gives you your fix until the next season, right? For anyone who hasn't seen the boys who's listening or watching to this now, and you like that, even if you don't like comic book stuff, in fact, if you don't like comic book stuff. All the more reason. It was literally created by someone, can't remember the guy's name, who hates comic, like basically hates comic superheroes. He hates, especially Marvel. He hated like Marvel and, and DC and stuff. And so created this this world where they're just all absolute fucking assholes. Psychopaths. And it's amazing. Psychopaths. Yeah. Like basically serial kids. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Well, yeah. Uh, the kind of, uh, you know, if you've got like, um, I can't remember who the, the main character is or the main the main kind of superior guy in, in the boys but it's basically like Greenlander. yeah 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 if, yeah, if yeah. you have the powers of god like he's got the powers of god and like zero conscience he's like he's just a yeah. psychopath just but it's really interesting right so like this this ties nicely back to what we we're talking earlier about ai right mm-hmm. when you you know there's this idea of uh uh, uh what's the, exp- uh, the the famous saying um uh, unlimited power corrupts. No, what is it? Ah, oh, power corrupt. No, uh, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. That's it. I mean, and and there's there's a lot of truth to that, right? And and th- that's what these stories are essentially playing out. Yeah. They're playing out the probably realistic version of what would happen if a being lived with that many that much power. And that that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about the concerns that a lot of people have with AI. It's the same thing. It's like when you've got that level of power, like yeah. why on earth would you be concerned with? with you know, a, a god that has no concern over the action of ants right it's like it's that kind of mentality and that's that's exactly what you see from homelander's perspective to a degree although he still has human qualities that tether him to certain actions like vanity ego like all of those things and and you know even trauma you know childhood trauma and like that you see played out with you know the fact that he you know they're all manufactured and like spoilers for the you know so it's it's interesting exploration isn't it and i wonder if ai would get to that point it'd be could it you know could it experience trauma like in finding out what your creator is like that's where it goes yeah 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 well i, I know um ai hallucinates doesn't it on a on a kind of fundamental level yeah, yeah. And there's something to do with the amount of tokens or something. So the, the more tokens it has, or no, the more tokens it has, the less likely I think it is to hallucinate or the other way around. I can't remember. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. But what I find interesting is just some of the visuals it comes up with. Like when you, if you were to take the sort of the, the term hallucinate, obviously in this context, it's hallucination is more in a, uh, from a large language model perspective. But from a visual perspective, some of this comes up with, I don't know about you, but I look at it, I'm like, that's how I dream. Like yeah. I look at it, I'm like, that's, that's my dreams. That's what. Is AI dreaming? Are we encouraging AI to dream? That's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Especially some of the stuff that it comes out with. But so, yeah, I think I'm I'm fascinated by all that stuff, like what it you know what it means to be human, the self, like all of that. I, I want to um, start a YouTube channel next year, which I'm already starting to, to kind of look at and look at the um, the content for it. But I want to I want to kind of expand on that in terms of like. I guess what my kind of philosophy is and all the things I've learned in, in business and life and kind of smush that into one kind of big giant media ball, I guess, and just put that. Mm. Into that. Yeah, that would be super interesting. 
it's it's uh, i've got a question for you um you obviously you're one of the goals one of the main goals with with what you do working with clients and companies and so on it's like you said to sort of put the personality center stage right for authenticity because if you know you, you have this deep belief which i think is pretty on the money that 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 people's stories and personalities and narratives can be what resonates with people and that can equal you know transactions i guess right um what about if if someone is inherently not that great? <laughs> then there's no hope. I, I did a post <laughs> that, that in order to have a personal brand, you have to have a personality. If, right. if, if you've got a personality bypass, unfortunately, it's not it's not going to work for you. Um, but 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 what I found from experience is most of the people that are that are kind of extroverted to, to sort of quote unquote and and show up as extrovert in real life tend to be worse online digitally and i found it's the introverts that tend to succeed more because it's like okay that's well, interesting in i've been sort of uh not suppressed but but i haven't felt like i've i've can kind of be myself or show up as myself and now i've been given this platform where i can Right, where I can plug into the digital realm and, and show up as myself and people resonate with that. That's so. super interesting. And I suppose when you break it down, it kind of makes sense, right? Because if in social settings, you quite often the very confident, outgoing individual can grate on people. It can be all right in a small amount, but over time it starts to grate. It's like this person's, it can be perceived as being cocky, yeah. right? And arrogant. Whereas I suppose someone who's, either fairly open about verbally or it's quite evident that they're a little uncomfortable and they're sort of pushing it they, they, there's kind of a an inherent there's an, an, an element, support element. to want to support the underdog yeah there's there's a vulnerability there there's a more human right and, and it's You're and kind it's, of rooting for them Be like, you can you can fucking do this you know yeah. yeah so so from my experience of that i i find that generally it's the more introverted people that the people that are more socially awkward and I definitely put myself in that category I'm not I'm not I'm okay in social settings but I do get a bit burnt out if I'm around too many mm. people <laughs> you know I I feel the same way and I, I tell people this and people don't believe me when I tell them that but I I find it I I do find in person I find this far more comfortable than in person that's the reason we're sat in we're, we're five minutes from each other we're sat <laughs> I can actually see you out of my fucking window I can see you over there <laughs> Yeah, but it's true. Like, I, I, if we were doing this in a room, I, I would definitely feel a little bit more self-conscious, and, mm. uh, and, and yeah, uh, yeah, it's true. I, I mean, that's why I had such a reliance on alcohol for the vast majority of my young adult life for, you know, the lubrication of, um, of social situations for that exact reason. I think many do. I think alcohol's got a lot to answer for in that regard. But, but, mm. um, yeah, that's super interesting, though. Super interesting observation. I wonder if, because um, even PewDiePie, you know world famous you know assuming you know yeah uh, good um you know if you go back and watch even now actually but especially if you go back and watch some of his early videos incredibly awkward kid yeah, yeah. you know yeah. and he's been given a platform and a and a stage to to be himself to be as awkward and, and nerdy and right and himself as possible and people go well i like this dude because he's just showing yeah. up as as himself and he's endearing and I suppose that that taps straight into the hero's journey side of things of like it can only go up from here. He's got he's got an arc to fulfill. 
Yes. Like we, we want to watch him get more and more confident. We want to watch him get better than this. We're going to egg him on and we're going to encourage him. And we're going to support him. As opposed to if someone comes along and they're already Superman, they're already great at the content. I've got and it's perfect. It's like those, the hero's journey is that we, we think it's like a one step process. We think that if you look at the hero's journey or, or the story circle, hero starts, they go on this quest, they get a guide and they kind of hit the low point And that's when the transformation happens back and they're changed when, mm. when they find out that the thing that they were looking for is that was actually inside them all along i think if you look at the hero's journey we go through that in several stages of the life so i see i see them as uh the way i refer to them is as planets so we start off at, on, on this kind of small orbit here and we kind of go around this one and that sort of defines who we are and then we shoot off out of that orbit into the next one which gets bigger mm. And we move from that one onto the next one, which gets bigger. So we go through that process several times in our in our life. Or some people, yeah. some people never go through it, but but um, we go through that process, and, and and the highs are much higher, and the lows are much lower when we go when we when we move on to that next bigger journey, essentially. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting way of putting it. It's funny because if that makes me think of like controversy, right? When you look at um, public figures and how there seems to be a tendency when people are going into obscurity to end up into some sort of controversy and it's almost like when you if you if you were to be sorry what was that Kim Kardashian anyone right yeah well, or a whole like like name any celebrity basically and like they go through a period of of ch they have to change and adapt whether it's a reinvention or because of controversy or whatever they have to go through a, a period of like they have to hit the low again yeah. and they have to start again in order to build you know to get people on side like they're going to annoy a lot of people but then they're but yeah. then but then everyone's going to be backing them to you know again sort of back the underdog to get back on top kind of thing can they turn it around can they get back on top yeah. but that goes back to my question earlier about like well you know what to do if you don't have a personality or if you're a bit of an arsehole like it's interesting you said you said well it won't work but i think <laughs> but you, you know you say it won't work but actually a lot of the biggest content creators on the planet right now Oh. are known for being controversial and yeah. for being assholes. Yeah. and yeah jake paul is a, is a great example someone that yeah can... i think he's mellowed out a bit recently but, but he's a, yeah a great example or um andrew tate yeah andrew tate i think i think the reasons yeah. for those are a lot of the time is people love people love the expectation of a train wreck so they will sit there right. and watch them and think at some point his cheese is just going to slide straight off his cracker and we're going to be there and it's going to be spectacular when it happens. It's going to be the biggest train crash, like train wreck ever. And that's why yeah, people... but they also have a lot of people who absolutely love them too. Oh yeah. We, you're going to, I think you're going to get that with um, like Trump is a great example of someone mm. that polarizes so much that he wins either way. So, so the people that love him absolutely love him, but the people that hate him, hate him so much that they drive a lot of traffic for him. Because it's all exposure, it's all it's all eyeballs, it's all um, it's all uh, influence essentially. It's like, oh, okay, you, you might you might love me, but the fact that you hate me this much as well is great because it's it's noise and traffic for me. So, do you think the platforms have got quite a lot to answer for in that regard, considering how the algorithms on these platforms yeah. are made? I mean, if it, it, it feeds directly into that, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. In, in terms of obviously, it's going to serve up more of what you're interested in, less of what you're not. So it, they're you end up kind of with this um, kind of echo chamber mentality of 
I meant I meant more for from from the the point of view of being a content creator. Yeah, because yeah. it doesn't that, that that encourages content creators to behave in that way as opposed yeah. to the way that you're proposing of being more authentic and down to earth and I, kind. Because... I think that we're still in the early stages of this. Um, you know, historically, algorithms yes have always done that. But I think I think new platforms and new algorithms will open up that will allow uh, content creators to be less of that and still be appealing. So, so I think I think yes, it has. You know, content creators have have created for the algorithm first, their audience second, and then follow those trends and sort of you know do do things like trend jacking or, or finding uh, flaws in the algorithm to kind of exploit because they know that it's going to get more eyeballs. But I think that will eventually. I, I like to think from a sort of um, you know traditional media sense like story and, and the components of story we've always that's always appealed to us since we've been sat around campfires you know and drawing them on walls so i think that will that will come around again with, with social media and there'll be more there'll be better more interesting like there's already prayers that are popping up i, I saw a lady the other day on youtube i can't remember her name now um uh, she's a, an asian filmmaker and she's got a channel she's grown it over the past like several months to like over 400,000 subscribers and you watch her content and it's like watching um oh damn i can't remember the director's name now it's like watching watching a specific style of, of filmmaking like her, her stuff's beautifully shot she does all vlogs but it's all like it all uses natural lighting and it's really kind of quirky and they're just beautiful little vignette stories to watch and yeah. she's an amazing uh, content creator but you know she's not being Kind of extreme or she's just making really just amazing content mm. so yeah i think i think that's i think that the the days of that are hopefully fingers crossed slowly starting to yeah yeah i mean again i think it just comes back to the age thing i think that the younger audience is always going to be drawn to that maybe a specific you know a very small group of the slightly older audience you know and like we said, that there's always a, a draw biologically to, to skew towards the negative, to watch a car crash, oh, to, you know, outrage farming is always going to be a thing. I mean, the news has been doing it for, well, since there's been news, right? Yeah. Um, people are drawn to headlines that are negatively skewed as opposed to positive ones. So there's always going to be an element of that we're going to be battling with. That's the duality of man that we touched on, right? But um, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. But like you said, th there'll be balance. But um, I feel like that comes with with the calming of age. Uh, and, and, I, and I guess it comes down to, you know, we, we train uh, teams of people and there are specific cultures and specific companies that we will work with because ultimately, you know, companies think their brand is important. It's not. It's their people. Their people make up that brand. And mm. the reason those people came to you is because there's a common set of shared values across those people. So allowing them to create content and allowing them to explore and grow as a person, become a content creator, says way more about your values as a company and brand than, than any marketing brochure or advert ever could. Mm. So I, I think I think that I think the future of business is a business and brand isn't won't be brand. It will be community. I think the future of work is changing so that people people like you and me, we can essentially kind of create a business around ourselves, dictate when we want to work and, and we can essentially pick and choose who we want to work with. I think all employees will essentially be that eventually and they will have more choice in who they decide to work with. They will work on a more contracted 
um, base. It's almost like a freelancer. Yeah. And they will decide who they want to work with and what brands they want to work with based on that brand as a community and the shared value sets that that, that company has. Not because yeah. it's it's a, you know, because they're getting an amazing paycheck or anything else. It's like I, my value sets overlap with your value sets. I really love what you're doing part of that community. And, and that, that is very much what you and I do already, right? Like, so, yeah. so myself as an advisor as an, uh, and a fractional, I'm fortunate enough to be in that position where I've taken my, my years of experience and, and, and expertise and positioned myself exactly that to that. And I, and I'm seeing that already. And I, um, I know you and I connected over this, but I think probably the first time we spoke, we, we talked a lot about this because of hmm. we both see that and I'm already seeing a lot of that. And it's interesting because that's kind of been there ticking away in the background now for some time in certain industries and it's slowly and, and I think COVID really accelerated this with the ability to to sort of push uh, remote organizations, remote first. That was the digital switch. That was the point. COVID was the point at which the light switch got flicked and it was like, okay, you can't yeah. you can't go to conferences, events, exhibitions anymore, you're all stuck at home. Like digital is now here. It is now here. And and yeah. some companies have realized that. That was the point it happened. And some companies were like, oh, well, let's just go back to what we've always been doing. And no, mm. the world exponentially changed overnight. The, the moment. Yeah. And and like the ripples of that, we're going to feel for the next 20, 30 years. Yeah. It, it's funny because it, even something as simple like sales, right? It yeah. would, would be, it was very difficult pre-COVID to encourage a prospect to jump on a uh, a Google Meet like this or a Zoom call. Uh, to buy something that in in that that was uh, like under a you know a few grand like if it wasn't a large purchase no one would want to put in the time to have an online meeting install a thing fuck around with a camera this that and the other but then covid comes now you literally someone spending six pound a month on something will be willing to jump on a call with you you know because it's such a natural part of language now to jump on a meeting with someone face to face like video calls just weren't that huge you know, what, even something as simple like WhatsApp uh, videoing, uh, you know, video calling was, someone. Like Zoom was born over COVID, wasn't it? You think that, right. that, that company got value there. It was ridiculous. Just exactly. And I remember, you were, you know, using that internally for in business for, for years. And then yeah. suddenly it was like everyone knew what it was. And it's like, <laughs> what? Like, why do you know what Zoom is? Like, you use it in business. You know, why, why do you need to know what it is, mum? You know, why are you trying to install it? But yeah, I mean, even like my mum and I would never would never video call each other. Um, but now we it's a it's a standard practice. And this you is know? components of what you've just said is is exactly what what I coach and preach to, to companies. It's like your your customers are now part of communities and those communities are yeah. digital. And if you are not in those communities having conversations with your customers, you are, for want of a better word, fucked. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and a lot of the advisory work I do is around go-to-market strategies bolstered by or underpinned by a, a community-led sales strategy because they are incredibly powerful. And and it's something that, um, that, like I said, has been going on in other industries for a very long time already. And a great example of that is the computer game industry. I've talked about this at length before, maybe yeah. even on other, other episodes. So, you know, probably sound like a broken record to regular listeners, but like the computer game industry for a very, very long time. And even in more recent years, uh, crypto and NFT and stuff has, has taken the same approach because they were derived from that that sort of industry of developers and engineers. Um, and that's the way to do it. You build an online community of testers yeah. and then you you layer on top of that product and product and commercialize and 
get feedback and iterate. And it's a great way to build any business. And it doesn't have to be product-based. It can be service-based too. Yep. You know? Uh, so, so let me ask you this, because this was the bit that I remember when we first spoke, I had a lot of questions about. So I'm going to ask the same questions again, because not everyone was there, just you and me. So, uh, <laughs> so, so, so working with an organization to speak to their employees, like you've done on, on a, quite a few occasions, to get them to leverage the power of social selling in the ways that you said to leverage their own personality and so on. You, like you said, there, there's going to be some resistance to that because brand is considered an important thing by organizations. And presumably there's probably going to be some resistance on the side of the employees too, right? Because for them, their, their personality isn't based on their business and they probably don't want their social media presence to be all about their business. They want it to be about them. There's always been this difficulty with LinkedIn, especially. So if we think about LinkedIn, you know, primarily there, but making it all about the company you work for when it's more than that. It's a professional networking platform for them, right? There's there's two elements to that. And it's something that I I am um, when I'm coaching people, it's like there there is a component of you, which is your the personal you, the the human you, the vulnerable you which is is this thing over here and then and then there's business suit and tie i'm an expert i'm a professional i do this and, and guess what those two sides of you are the same thing mm. so when we when we show up and we smush those two things together and we show up fully as that guess what you become a rounded human being who happens to be an expert in this and that's right. That's how you do it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a human being. I like macaroni and cheese. I like going for mountain bike rides. I've got kids. I've got a cat. Um, but I'm an expert in social selling. And I do this. And I do this. And I do this. So and, and, and you don't limit that role to anyone specifically in a go-to-market or commercial team from your perspective, right? You see that yeah. as literally, it could be literally anyone within an organization. It should be cross-functional. It should be across, you know, HR, uh, marketing, um, sales. Um, there, there's a there's a, um, a prevalence with social selling to, because the clue's in the name, we call it social selling, but there's this kind of prevalence to, to want to tap in purely to the um, sales team. And the sales team are probably the worst people to put out there on the on the digital shop floor to actually be selling your products and services. Your technical people are really valuable to you as a as a um, a tool for selling your products and services because nerds interfacing with other nerds at the companies that you want to sell for is great. You know that, but that's assuming it's a tech-led business. Right? Assuming it's a tech-led business, yeah. 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 Um, but 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 having those all of those touch points across the organisation, having all of those people. Like I said, says more about your culture and your organization and your brand. And and the the big one for me, um, because it's one of my my uh, one of my core values, if not the biggest core value I have, is trust. If you mm. don't trust your like you trust your employees to go and and you know uh, drive your vans, uh, uh, sell to people, have uh, conversations with customers, and get proposals out the door, but you won't allow them to post on social media. That to me, you talk about red flags. That to me is a big old red flag. It's like either either you don't yeah. have mechanisms of this, or your your company culture is so toxic that you will not not allow one employee anywhere near social media. But isn't it also just a natural side effect of getting to a certain size as an organization when you have uh, uh, an enormous amount of shareholders in a business where any misstep publicly, mm. um, well, every move publicly needs to be very carefully calculated because it, otherwise it could absolutely decimate a, a share price and, and you know, tank your entire company. Like, then then doesn't it make sense that there has to be that certain amount of 
of oversight on anything that's put out. So, so that, um, these, these roles don't exist yet, but but I am convinced that over the next decade, there will be, I, I haven't thought of a better name for this at the moment, but I'm convinced there will be people that work inside um, large uh, enterprise organizations uh, that are effectively called cre uh, employee creator managers. So someone that sits between the marketing department and the employee, and they manage all of those internal creators, all of those internal employee creators' um, content and help them work out their content streams and work them, help them identify who they are and how they want to show up and what their personal brand is. And they work closely with the marketing department to make sure there's an alignment between the company brand, what they're selling and those people. And that that role doesn't exist yet because this is all still new. It's still pretty new stuff. Um, and yeah. I suppose the value of doing it right isn't quite fully understood because of, no. because of immediately from a a, a a stakeholder or shareholder perspective from what you just said there would be, well, that involves hiring additional people for a role that doesn't exist to do something that we're completely fine without right now. We're still making sales. So why would we well, you hire that? You almost create a problem when you when when I go into an organization that's like okay all of your employees now you are you are a media and production company first whatever it is you do second then so you kind of create this problem it's like okay all of your employees are now content creators okay great where does this content come from so so now now you have to install uh, like a content curation engine you have to build that engine inside the organization for them because if you look at traditional marketing it can't keep up with like you take you take hundred employees all producing content. There is no way in God's green earth that marketing could keep up with the, the sheer volume of content that would need to be produced for those mm. employees. So um, it's, it's uh, I think I've described it, this to you before, but traditional B2B marketing to me is, is the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. Um, it's big, it's loud, it can make lots of noise, attract quite a bit of attention, but it needs massive budgets, it needs legal, it needs sign off. On social media, it's an evolutionary dead end. If you take all of your employees and get them to build out their personal brands and get them producing content, they are your velociraptors. They trust. Does it still natural. need the same? Yeah, yeah, it does. But but you also need to be at a level where, like, you you just need to start. You need to be doing this and starting and getting and getting up to speed and producing this content and trusting mm -hmm. your employees to handle that. And then it's like, okay, now we need to build this this content curation engine and model and bring this other person into effectively manage this thing because now it's up it's running it's humming and it's generating new revenue for us mm. so but let's say let's run a, a hypothetical there's a Sorry. big gap between between um we need to start and you know uh we're up and we're kind of running and and, and the train's kind of left the station and it's kind of chugging along there is a massive gap there sure yeah cool. like some of the companies that we train it takes some companies like like six months eight months before the employees in there are like, okay, I feel comfortable doing this. I'm showing up. I'm, I'm interacting mm. with people. I'm producing content because it's not normal. It's not normal, or natural, or 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 even, or, you know, it wasn't part of their um, job description when they signed up. So, mm. yeah. Well, I suppose in a lot of ways, it's the same as what people are talking about. Sort of uh, employees that have a, a really good understanding of the current AI tools available and keep on top of it are going to have a much better chance in the job market compared to their counterparts who aren't um, in the same way that we have a generation now or a couple of generations now coming up who are comfortable in front of the camera who are used to you know creating their own personal brand already because a lot of kids you know uh, or young people or young adults do that now in a way because they are the Instagram or TikTok generation so they're going to have a competitive edge those two things combined would just be a lethal 
combination. But but let's run a hypothetical then. Let's say, um, again, me just playing devil's advocate here, I guess, more than anything else, just to really be able to dissect this to fully understand it. Um, let's say three months into a journey like this and someone puts something out that rubs the board up the wrong way for whatever reason. Uh, I don't know. They, they, they misrepresented the company, the, you know, whatever. They, they, they said the wrong thing. They, they, they made a mistake. You know, who knows? Um, the, the company then comes back and says, right, we're going to have to put some checks and balances in place because we can't have that happening again. Here's a set of rules. This is what you must do and what you, you know, can't do, et cetera, et cetera. How does that affect that journey? Because it never to, I'm assuming that, that has that has something like that happened? Or, or do you we, see that happening? I've only had it, I've only had it happen once and I won't go into the, the details of why, of but that, that was more from a, um, a mismanagement perspective. So they didn't understand what the employee was doing. It wasn't, it right. wasn't that the employee had made a gaffe or the content was was controversial or it affected the brand. The, a particular manager didn't understand why this why this particular person was producing this kind of content. So right. Okay. Between the wider organizational culture and why they were producing that those specific types of content. So touch wood, no, it hasn't happened yet. Mm. <laughs> um, but like I said, you know, you're you're trusted to do all these other things. Think of the digital space just like the real world. You wouldn't go up to someone in the street and go, yeah, I work for so-and-so and then punch them in the mouth. You wouldn't do that digitally. So that's, that's what I do at all my networking events. <laughs> so, it, so it, people don't forget me. From a, from a, from an etiquette standpoint, yeah. behave how you would behave in the real world. You know, be polite, be um, uh, transactional, be polite, uh, be human. Mm. And don't, you know, you're not going to, if you trust your employees to do that, and you pick the right employees, people that, that want to step forward and want to do this in the first place. Like you can't, you can't pull people through this. People, the employee has to be ready to step up to the plate and wants to be able to do this and build out their, their personal. Mm. And why? And why wouldn't they? Is my my answer. It's like if you're being paid by your organisation to build out a following. Say you get two hundred thousand people that end up following, and you become an expert. And this has happened recently with a friend of mine. Um, and you become the expert in that space guess what you're going to be headhunted by every single company on the planet and you can dictate what your wages will be and your company mm. paying you to do that the pros far outweigh the cons for the from an employee standpoint well i was going to uh, to actually to the to the other side of that coin i think there's another huge pro to that i in some ways balances that out so that not all the power is on on the individual but actually the companies too like i've i've seen some companies but, do this really well where that's the logical end point of where all this is going. That brands will de-evolve, and the power is now in the hands of the individual. Well, you say that, but I, I kind of see it as as there being a balance, right? Going back to what you said about balance, because actually, you know, the 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 individual brands will make up the brand of the company. And I've seen some companies do this really well from 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 day one of founding the company, where they've done a lot of behind the scenes stuff. They've got all of the individuals to be content creators first, and understand like you said they're a content production company first and foremost so you see the behind the scenes the inner workings you know yeah. first day in the new office and this and that and that and they become a really desirable place to work and so what's yeah. really interesting about that is it puts the primary focus essentially on uh, creating a really robust top of funnel for talent yeah. and as we know what is the number one key indicator for a successful company a company that can attract high quality talent like yeah. that is one of the key indicators of that and if you can do that while also like keeping spend low yeah. well the, if you don't have a, 
PR if you don't have anything out there to say you're a The only thing you have to leverage to get talent is money. And then you're playing a gamble. You know, you're, you're gambling because if you're also... That's the exact thing that we, we preach to companies when we go into Silicon. It's like, you, right. are, you, are, you are putting content out there, which guess what? When you show how great your culture is and how great your people are and the work that you do, people go, yeah, I want to be that. Here's my CV. Like it's right. not rocket science, but <laughs> but you're you're having to pay recruiters, you have to pay PR companies. You could do this stuff internally. You could mm. save yourself a bundle of cash and make a shit ton more of it on top. Why produce and, on, and I suppose the added like I mean th th this this kills many birds with one stone, right? Because like you said, it does that, it empowers the business for that reason. <laughs> top of top of funnel creation for new talent is is incredibly important, but equally that's also going to resonate with potential buyers, right? Yeah. But th this is the kind of company I would I would like to buy from, yeah. Because if they if they're the kind of company that looks cool to work for, they're also the kind of company that I would want to buy from and work with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And all all the ancillary that there are things that you know we talk about um, recruitment opportunities. We talking about um, cutting marketing spend. We talk about increase in sales. We talk about increase in brand perception. We talk about um, uh, and this is a, a big one for me. Actually empowering your employees and giving them a voice in the platforms. It's like mm. they have to work, and it's like I feel great that I'm part of this culture where I'm allowed to express myself authentically through my content, and my my employee pays me to do that. That is yeah. mad. that is gold dust. Um, so there are there are things that I haven't even figured out yet over the next five, ten, fifteen years that by doing this. You know, there, there may be other side effects to this that that are massively positive that we haven't even seen yet. We haven't even figured out what they are. That, that's a really valid point I hadn't thought of until just now as well. Like you mentioned, that they are essentially it empowers employees to be active participants and contributors to culture, as opposed to yeah. passive yeah. Um, consumers of of that's the culture that's been given to them. Right? If someone comes up with a great new idea, guess what? They can produce a piece of content. Oh. Mm. You see that Helen in, in in marketing just came out this really new cool concept for we should promote her. She needs to get paid. Like she's a genius, but she wouldn't have had the opportunity to do that because no one saw or listened to her. But now she's producing content and the company's paying attention to it. So you're giving mm. them a, a platform and a voice and a and an opportunity to to upscale themselves and the brand they work for. That is is huge, dude. Massive. Yeah, it's interesting. I suppose there is one potential drawback yeah i want to go back to my disney example because they're an they're an example of a company that i've become increasingly frustrated with over the years um from a company that i admired massively by some of the decisions they made uh mostly in the acquisition of marvel and then star wars and seemed to have squandered all opportunities away in ways that frustrate me infinitely but um but that's a, an interesting example, potentially, of what you're talking about. Maybe not as intentional as how you're talking about it, but a lot of the people that they have are, in some ways, working there are content creators, right? They have individual, they're their influences to one degree or another. You know, even their board of directors is the publicly known figures, you know, the directors of the different product projects, the writers, the actors, they all have platforms. Everyone has a platform these days, right? So, so they have that. And the big problem, from from at least my understanding of of the reason why this company has pretty much imploded, is because of ideology. Mm. Now, you know, they they did what you, you were just talking about there that could work to the benefit of a company, but they did it in a way which was to build their own culture, separate to what the board had in mind, maybe, or even you know the main ex you know the executive. Yeah. They they did their own thing. They trusted them to do it. 
and they did it wrong because they 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 ended up representing not everyone but a very select few elite group of people in hollywood and that was the the what they were putting across so i guess i'm saying this to, to say is that not the one danger of this approach that that, that there is a potential sort of mob mentality that could bubble to the surface of an you know putting to, to a brand or an ideology or, or a culture um, forward by trusting them that isn't entirely representative or just completely uh, marginalizes them from from the general public and only then it starts appealing to a very specific sort of minority my my counter argument to that is if you build a castle on a on a um you know sub 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 of shit it's going to collapse so right so having having an ideology and a goal and a purpose and and strong core values and beliefs in the first place it's going to attract the right kind of people which are going to resonate with you it goes back to my, my community thing that i said before if you're attracting the right talent that align with your value sets and and your mission and your roadmap and where you're going those people will will produce content that aligns with that because it starts at the bottom yeah, yeah. you can't polish a turd no basically you can't polish them <laughs> and you can't make a square peg fit in a round hole like those yeah yeah after they have to be the right people in the first place and you have to you have to choose the right people to to step forward and do this as well. It can't, not everyone inside the organisations one capable of doing it, and, and two is going to be any good at it, or, or three necessarily align with your, you know, your your value sets. So. And I suppose Disney is a very extreme example in that anyone who was going to be put in those positions would instantly be thrust into the limelight in the public eye, even if they hadn't any oh, no, no, you know no, presence I'm, before that, right? I'm sure those those kind of people have got you know heavy like heavy PR teams working for them and everything else, but. The one thing that really frustrates me with this process is, and I see it a lot with um, uh, people that talk about personal branding or, or people that exemplify the word personal brand, is like, we we train C-suite or we train leaders to develop their personal brand. Guess what? They're not the most interesting people in your company. Mm. There are a lot more people at lower levels. Like, I want to hear I want to hear Jim the Cleaner's story. Right. Jim the Cleaner makes awesome content and he, he loves his job and he keeps the office clean and like he's his stuff's amazing but well and it's relatable because not everyone's an executive of a fortune 500 exactly. company yeah this is this is my point and, and and people you know going back to authenticity and everything else you're by, by doing that like there, there's this kind of disconnect it's like you're you're looking up at this person as a ceo and it's like oh great they're making this great content they don't i that doesn't relate to me that, that's not there's not a human connection there that they, they feel like i'm being talked down to they're not on my my level so Having people that are employees inside that company, allowing them to develop and, and produce their own content and develop their stories, some of those people can be way far more interesting than mm. the CEO ever could be. Yeah, yeah. But we're never yeah. going to hear that story because they're not they're not allowed to because because according to you know the world of personal branding, it's like well, it's the C-suite, it's the executives, it's the it's the management. These are the guys that need to be. But no, there's there's people at the bottom that are probably way better at this stuff than you could ever possibly imagine and you're sat on them and you will never hear anything from them because you're not allowing them to step up to the plate and take a swing so what what are we doing this for then because we're both the executives of our own companies what the fuck are we doing <laughs> yeah good good point yeah we should uh do you do you have a do you have a, an assistant or a cleaner or something you could makes the face of your company I, I would i would like i don't my my goal has never been to grow my company to the point where I have 50, 100 employees. I think it would, mm. it would, I would have some sort of aneurysm 
uh, I would like to keep my team small and at some point, maybe next year, I might um, hire a junior. And yes, they will be encouraged to produce content and share their story with the world as well. So it's There's, I mean, this is another another thing that's becoming fashionable now, like fashionable, the trend, however you want to call it. But I think it's a, it's a definitely a good thing. I'm hearing more and more talks. Uh, I'm having more and more discussions with founders now who are building companies in a, in a very flat uh, method. Um, and they have a hard cap on the size that they want to grow to yeah. in terms of personnel. Um, that you know, even a lot of talk about the only way to do that is to not take external investment to bootstrap, to build from the ground up, to 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 go on a traditional business model of make more money than you spend, <laughs> you know, not focus on share price, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that's really refreshing to hear. A friendly reminder to share this episode with your network, like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps the show and only takes a couple of minutes. Those, those things are, are way more accessible to us now than, than ever before. Like I, I, I said to you a few months ago, I launched a new community. I had an idea, I had the germ of an idea, launched mm. a community, built a landing page for it and started selling it within weeks. Yeah. And, and, I, and I created all that stuff myself. I didn't hire an external person to create a website for me, created all the, all the, oh, it's doing that weird thing. Um, uh, created all What's the, that? Oh, have you not seen this? It's like it's nothing. <laughs> watch, watch this. What the fuck? If I do this, what? it should be balloons if I do this. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't this one. This one's balloons. What oh. is going on? Yeah. Have I have I just dropped acid? And, yeah, and you forgot. Weird, weird hand signal things in, in um, the Apple operating system now. Which okay, if anyone's listening to this and not watching it, I strongly advise to go to YouTube so you know what the hell we're talking about. Um, that was that's really tripped me out. I didn't get much sleep last night, so that that's yeah. kind of scared me a bit. So, so what I was what I'm saying is, um, yeah, is, is I created all these, I imagined these things, and then I built them within days of imagining them, and I mm. did it myself. Like that's that the the tools for that stuff have never been more accessible, and it's never been easier to build that stuff at scale and at speed. Like you can, like as a creative, that's that's like I feel that we're Kind of the tipping point where it's like okay the thing that's in my head here i can get that out of my head and it's real and yeah. i can do that like that because of ai that's mind-blowing to me that we we're, can... we're, absolutely and we're going to see more like you know there are more and more instances we're hearing of um businesses or business uh founders startup mm -hmm. founders becoming millionaires you know hitting 10 million uh arr and they're solo like completely solo, built yep. the product themselves, sold it yep. themselves. Like that's happening more and more. And that's my, my goal. That's my goal is to, is to stay stay yeah. small, stay nimble, stay agile, and grow my business to to one, two, three million. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, that's absolutely it's 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 kind of similar. I see it a lot like um how because I I was involved quite heavily in the music scene when I was younger. Um, I did I did a load of different stuff there, and um, at one point I thought I was going to be a musician. But, yeah, there we go. And <laughs> and <laughs> to the dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that worked out. Um, and uh, yeah, there was a really interesting transition that happened when I was a teenager, I guess, which was this: like, basically, the tool set to make your own music and create an album from home came to life. And then YouTube came around, where you could, you know, why, why, big do, you on think, why do you think I got out of video production? Because of these things, right? Everyone has the ability to create uh, video content, like decent video content on their smartphone. You don't yeah. need teams or armies of people to do that anymore. So that's mm. why.
That's why I quit. I, like I quit making videos for companies because everyone. Way out. Yeah, every everyone is now a content creator. Everyone can make video. Mm. Got to keep with the times. Mm. Yeah. So I I imagine it's it's going to be a similar sort of thing, right? Where it used to take a team of people to launch and and a company to build a company and launch it. Now someone can do it in their in their hours in days from their bedroom with with you know a copy of mid journey and chat gpt boom they're off they're running and go ipo within a couple of years have a big payday you know yeah it's insane it's the democratization of business i guess yeah and, and that's that's to me that is the that's that's if you look at this and i'm trying to look at it logically that's the logical roadmap for where all of this is going it's like the the individual now has the power to do this so what's going to happen in you know the next generation of entrepreneurs that come along they're going to completely disrupt how traditional models of business have like i i don't even know what's going to happen over the next 10 to 15 yeah no i think you you are absolutely on the money and, and i've been banging this drum for a long time which like i said uh earlier is exactly why we connected when we spoke when we first spoke many months ago was because i'm i'm with you on that because of content creators have already shown that to be the path you've yeah. got individuals kids quite often yeah. who are entrepreneurs who become their own you know run their own business whether they're streaming games vlogging yep. whatever mr beast pewdiepie you name it right they exist logan paul for better or worse whatever uh, it could be from outrage could be from entertainment from comedy a mixture and they they have done exactly what we're talking about and it's only right that you can like everyone wants to be a content creator of some kind everyone is aware of the importance of a personal brand to some extent and has it a, a certain generation um, and are taking active participants in this in the, that sphere and so you pair that with some sort of expertise, whether that's from education or from from a practical perspective, then and, yeah, everyone's their own freelancer. And it's interesting yeah. to say expertise as well, because I don't think like I used to always think that it was like, oh, you know, I, I, I learn a, a topic or a subject for decades and, and now I'm the master and the expert and the utmost authority on this. I don't think that is even relevant anymore. I think it's your ability to acquire information repackage it in your own way and and get it out there as content it's not your ability to to learn it's your ability to learn at speed and turn that into content that is now that will now enable you to win you don't even need to be an expert necessarily in a in a particular field because you're you're sharing your learning as you're learning with your audience but don't you think that the person because if it's going to go to that hyper competitive landscape let's say for graphic design right let's mm -hmm. say for argument's sake yeah. then that means it's going to be hyper hyper competitive it's going to be a uh, buyer's market to some extent right um everyone's going to be vying for the same positions because everyone's going to be a fuck, like as if it's not already but even more so um and people are going to have probably hefty price tags isn't it going to be more about portfolio which isn't that then based on which again like kind of to your point but isn't that also based on well it depends you know, on what you. what's going to split the difference it's going to have to be something it's going to have to be well this these this person this person they both have fantastic portfolios we can't decide on them oh well this person has five years of experience this person has 20. well like, but what if that what if that the person that has five years of experience what if they're building a roadmap for how to um you know build a career in in illustration and that's the products and services that they're selling then 
they're sharing their learning journey with their audience so their audience is getting the benefit of their yeah, but what if they're both doing that? something the point is something has to split the difference yeah, right yeah of course well, well then yeah obviously it will be the the, mm. the expertise but I, I don't i think the the speed and tenure and expertise i mean i suppose aren't really we shouldn't really even be making that comparison because that's, that's not necessarily the correlation yeah. is it either? yeah it, it's it's um I, i've always struggled with that word I, I don't like the word expertise because mm, it, yeah it's like okay you should be floating on a mountaintop somewhere with clouds behind you sort of you know chanting like mm. you, you, everyone's always learning and if you stop learning as far as i'm concerned if you stop learning that's the day you might as well curl up your toes and, and die so we're, we're constantly in learning uh sort of um, process mode. so I, I think there is an element of that of of how how quickly can i learn or acquire this information and adapt it into a way that that fits me or fits who i am and share that with my audience so that they can learn more quickly than i did Mm. like a like a almost like a curation of knowledge it's like okay i'm going to take this thing or take this and i've seen it happen with them um, there's been this whole explosion of content creators on the platform that have suddenly just suddenly overnight they're like i'm an ai expert it's like oh yeah ai hasn't been around that long and you've just suddenly jumped on the bandwagon and now you've amassed an audience of a quarter of a million people because you're talking about a, a, a thing that is very relevant at the moment and everyone wants to learn it but you can't tell me they've spent decades learning that shit. They haven't. They're just regurgitating knowledge, but packaging it up in their own way. Mm. So yeah, it's it's, uh, it's interesting. Definitely, we are in interesting times. But, it's, but it works, right? Because it's what people want. It's you know, yeah. people people want to bring someone in who's taken the time to look into something that they don't have time to look into themselves, right? Yeah. Like like you know, anyone could could sit and learn about AI and implement it in their business, but you've got a business to run like that's not practical you, you're going to go with the person who's dedicated themselves to that but I see what you're saying about the word expertise I suppose for me I I separate rightly or wrongly you know grammatically or whatever the word expert with expertise I would consider myself to have expertise in the field in which I purport to have expertise in right you know commercial marketing sales etc um, go to market all that sort of thing but I wouldn't say I'm an expert I, I would I'd be hesitant to say that other people might call me that yeah. But I, I I don't like to generally go around and say I am an expert yeah. or go to market strategy. When, when yeah. someone says they're an expert, I, I the first thing that really jumps to mind is you're clearly not because we're having to tell people you are. So. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit like saying I I I don't care what people think about me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. Genius. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, hey, look, I'm an expert at this podcast shit. What can I say? <laughs> it's uh it's yeah it's your it's your ability to acquire knowledge and and I, I think that in the modern when in the content age that is what we've become we've become we've become almost curation engines curation engines for our philosophy it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna take this knowledge or take this particular area of expertise but i'm gonna package it up in my own human way and deliver it to you now you've mm. created something entirely unique that is only only it only exists for you because you are unique but you are teaching them the same thing that a million other people could teach them but you're just teaching it to to them in your way mm. your voice it, it's interesting is it because in some ways that's that's always been the way it is right you know that, there's nothing new about that inherently it's just right. on a different platform like you know 
going to a job interview, you're trying to do that. You're trying to package your CV, your your experience, your your education, whatever, in a way that appeals to to what they want, etc. And you're trying to make that fit. And essentially, what you're talking about, by the sounds of it, by recording this journey, is essentially demonstrating uh, someone's skill for adaptation and learning. That's what it is, right? Which is an important skill to look out for in someone that you don't want them to be stiff in their in their in their yeah. You want them to be adaptable and to grow with the business, right? But I guess what's interesting is the dynamic that could occur where, just like we were saying, how a business could get an advantage through content through its employees to be a desirable place to work. Equally, employer employees or prospective employees could be kept an eye on by by potential. You know, in the same way that people do with you and people do with me. Yeah, but, but keep an eye on that. One day, when we have the budget and we have the need, I want that person. Well, I want that person. Yeah, but but then my argument with that is like, okay, well, how much does your culture suck, and how much do you value that employee? But like, if you truly care about them, you'll find a way to keep them. So, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I I just meant more like the, the fact that the ball is also is in both sides of the court in terms of, you know, the, the <laughs> dynamic, the dynamic to. Yeah, competing as in the in the employment in the job market depends on on needing to be louder than the other guys because they're going to have a presence and you can't compete with the Nick Rayburns when it comes to wanting to be seen as a as a good hire for social selling. They just can't compete because of you. You have that reputation out there. There are companies out there for sure that already exist that have pegged you as like okay, that money we're going to keep aside for when the time is right, we're going to get Nick on the line and he's going to help us with this thing compared to, you know, anyone else that might be out there, you know, d- providing a similar service. Do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. ultimately where I'll end up with, with em- employee employees across a whole different range. If you look at the, um, and I think this happened since the industrial revolution is that it's the balancing out the seesaw. The, the employee was always at the behest of the, of the brand of the business. It's like, okay, you're, mm. you're paying your services, but you serve me and that that's the, the that's the machine that, that's run since you know um, since the industrial revolution that tipping point is now that seesaw is balancing back out in favor of the employee and in, in, and in favor of the individual they now have access to more tools knowledge and resources than they've ever had before mm. which empowers them to to do stuff that that these behemoths couldn't even begin to imagine because of the speed that they can move at and the agility they have so that I, I I truly feel like I feel finally like I've been a, I've been a creative most of my life and, and as a creative we're the ones that get like shat on spat on it's like mm. oh you're you're oh, you're an artist like great like we're the ones now with the power and for me that's like yes finally brothers and sisters like I've waited for this point my whole life where where you know as as artists as creators as creatives we now have we've got skin in the game and we can we can dictate you know how how these other companies um behave and that that for me is that's yeah it's empowering it's, it's, it's that's interesting is that because i know a lot of creatives who, who consider this to be the dark times because of the the, the rise of ai mm-hmm. in terms of you know when it comes to written content and visual content and and all these platforms so can I, are you not as pessimistic then no i i, I to me ai is a tool and any any creative that genuinely calls themselves a creative and is scared of AI to me isn't a creative. A creative should right. have a mind. That's mm. the of creativity. It's like what can I create that's new or, or, or bring into the world that's new? And to adapt me, or die, right? Adapt or die. And, and to me, AI is a tool. It, it, it enables me to 
imagine bigger worlds at scale than I possibly ever could have imagined before and bring those things to life. Some mm. of the stuff I do with my content now, I couldn't have, like, I made a, um, I made a choose your own adventure, uh, LinkedIn book. I don't know if you're old enough to remember those. From when I do remember those. Yeah. Rob, 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 so I made Very kind of you to say, <laughs> we're of a certain age. <laughs> I think, I think it's fair. <laughs> throw that out there. Um, uh, I, I created that piece of content. If I'd have created that traditionally, like I mapped out all of the pages. So it would go, so one page would go to another page on chat GPT. I created all the images on mid journey. If I'd mm. have created that manually, it would have taken me weeks, maybe months. I created it in hours using, mm. using chat GPT and mid journey. So mm. the fact that I can do that blows my mind. It's like, okay, yeah. I can imagine this thing. It's quite complex. It's quite big. It's quite abstract, but I can build it and I can do it really quickly. That's I mean, you can you can create a Hollywood movie in your own home if you have the the determination. Like, you know, it's incredible the tools we have at our disposal. Um, do you do you have to run? Because I just realised what the time is. Um, are you all right for time? I, I do. I've got I've got two more minutes. Okay, two more minutes then. Really quick, one last question for you. How important is LinkedIn to you? And and how what role has it played in your your career? Like, I because I, I know, like I said earlier on, you're you're quite well known on the platform. I believe. Um, and, uh, and I, I knew of you before I knew you lived down the road. Um, so yeah, so speak on that for, and I'll let you go. <laughs> um, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it, I don't say it lightly. It, it has changed my life. Like producing yeah. content on the platform enabled me, it, it gave me all the things that I'm now trying to give to other companies and business owners. It, it empowered me. It gave me a voice. It gave me a purpose. It gave me a, a reason for producing content it's allowed me to feed my family it's like it, it has changed every single facet of my life so i i want to give to companies and business owners the same thing that i've been through the same transformation that i've been through i want to give that and empower them to go through that same transformation because mm -hmm. to me it, it's it's as close to magic as you're ever going to get it's like okay i I started creating content on this thing and some people turned up and they seemed to like it and then more people turned up and now I've made money from it and I seem to have an audience and I've got like because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I only really dived into content um for on LinkedIn properly I would say yeah the beginning of the the year I, I sort of dabbled in it here and there over the years but not 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 properly and I really committed probably like the middle of this year, I really committed with regular content. I've actually just recently onboarded someone who's going to be helping me with it as well um, as the companies or companies have grown. And this in particular, um, as Founders Unplugged, like, you know, I have someone that does clips and put those clips out. And I know I've got a lot to improve um, uh, on on that front. But yeah, and I, it's completely transformed the way I've, I've done things. Like, I, I, don't, I think every single one of my clients now has been generated as a result of LinkedIn um you know whereas before i kind of painted myself into a corner with just word of mouth without leveraging it um which was restricted by many many things like i'm now in a position where yeah it's absolutely transformed similar to you it's trans and, and i'm meeting more and more people cooler and cooler people like i i very open to give my time to people just to meet them like why not you know interesting conversations i mean that's kind of what i'm all about yeah, yeah. So yeah, like what about um the creative uh what is it uh, the creator program? Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, the LinkedIn uh, Creator Accelerator program. That was um that was awesome. So we got I was part of the first cohort in the UK to go through that process with um LinkedIn. Um oh, cool. and I and uh 
there's there's a there's a part actually on a I said this to someone the other day that so we had um we had one of the mentors we had um who was talking to us about personal brand uh, Paul Corrett Ransom um he's quite big on LinkedIn as well he is the uh, producer of um, Love at First Sight is it have you not seen his related relate TV program where um, no no people I think people get married oh. based on a, it's like a reality TV thing. Um, right. He's also Oprah Winfrey's relationship coach, and while, right. while he was, um, so he he talked about his journey, and he basically said like when he started out, he had a YouTube channel, he was producing content, and he was like, I was producing this stuff for months, like basically my mum and my girlfriend were liking my content. <laughs> it was mm. like, and then and then one day, uh, Oprah Winfrey's PA just happened to look at a piece of his content, and then overnight, boom, his whole life changed, and so I was talking to him during the session where I was talking to him about personal branding. And if you actually play back the recording, so while he was talking to me, uh, one of the companies that we've been um, trying to work with for quite some time, uh, the marketing manager from that company slipped into my DMs and said, yeah, we'd like to go ahead with you. We'd like to um, go, go ahead with the pros and start working with you. So you actually play back the recording. It's like some weird, like kind of sliding doors, like alternate reality. <laughs> I'm sat there just doing this, like looking at him and looking at the DM. It's like one of the biggest brands on the planet just asked me to work with him. We're with, yeah. with them. And, and Open Winfrey's relationship coach is talking to me about personal branding. It was like, who am I? Like, what, what is going on? <laughs> it was the most surreal thing that's ever happened to me. It's awesome. <laughs> just a bit old, like little old me, like nothing ever, like that ever happens to me. And that happened from, from producing content. Just yeah, but you, like, you made it happen. Yeah, I made it happen. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it was. But if you play about the, the video, you see me doing this. <laughs> I'm like, what, what is going on? Like, it's just bizarre, dude. Absolutely bizarre. That's very cool. Well, yeah, you made it happen, man. Like, you put in the graft, and you know, it, it's interesting. I, I have um, people ask me all the time, what's the goal of this show? Like, especially people who are maybe a little bit more traditional in the way they're thinking especially like you know people i've interviewed to come on that, uh, that that i just decided not to like what's the point what are you trying to achieve like what's the end goal kind of thing and i go honestly just to have a good conversation that's it because of i'm at that point still <laughs> i'm lucky if my mum and my wife like this you know what i mean i, I know pe plenty of people listen to it not many people interact with it which <laughs> is frustrating but um i thought about this this morning it's like why do i produce content and i think I think it's it's my way of saying to the universe, I was here. Right. Here I am. Like and 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 you can't ignore Leg legacy. Le legacy. It's like, yeah, you, you you know, you produce a piece of content a day and you add that up over five, 10, 15, 20 years. That's mm. a bold story. And I and I love I love telling I'm I'm fascinated by this concept of um something we could talk about again at some point, but um I call it kind of brand world building. It's like how are you building up this picture of you and your brand through all these little multiple streams of content how does that all right. fit? and how does that all you know how are you building this entire world of, of story around you we definitely need to delve into that more at some point either online or offline or whatever because of um yeah like for me this is therapy you know what i mean yeah. like speaking to speaking to people exploring ideas like I've, I've been on record saying this a few times but so i won't repeat myself but it's important for me like i just enjoy it that's that's my number one focus yeah and if i put it out there and and it resonates I, great if you're, if you're not getting joy from creating content my answer is always why why the f are you doing it 
yeah don't do it yeah 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 for sure it, it should be it should feel like it should feel like a joy not a chore it should mm. feel I, I feel empowered doing this or i've shared this thing and and someone's gotten back to me and and I, dude i've had conversations with people that have been like this piece of content you produce or this video has changed my life like, i won't yeah. get stories that I've, I've had from people but like to hear that back you're like oh like the impact that you've had on someone's you've literally changed the trajectory of someone else's life for a piece of content that's mm. that is like that's worth more than all the gold in spain a place that has lots of gold yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah excellent it's um, it's a uh, it's mind blowing, dude. Absolutely, mind yeah. Well, and that's that's a great thing to accomplish, but it's not something you, you necessarily set out purposely because it, it doesn't come. Uh, it, you know, it would be forced then, right? Yeah, it's, it's a side effect of doing doing what we do. I think. You yeah. You played this back at like like um like time lapse really, really quickly from beginning to end. The light would actually change outside from from. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I need to go pick my uh, my kids up, dude. All right, dude. Well, look, thanks so much for being on. Uh, your links of everything to do with you will be in the description so people can check you out, follow you, check out the business, hire you, give you lots of money and love, etc. So yes. thanks, dude. And uh, we'll be catching up again soon, I'm sure. So uh, and we'll definitely have to do a part two of this. If you we, need a, we need a uh, we need a, uh, a coffee. I, th I think um, I, I'm almost tempted, like just just for my own sanity, I'm just going to throw it out there. So I'm almost tempted for us to start a podcast in here where you just rock up and we just talk shit for half an hour or an hour. <laughs> I'll be up for that, man. And then just see what happens with it. Just yeah. like, do it and see what happens. I'll be down for that. Yeah. Founders unplugged after hours. <laughs> Whoa, with the brand in. <laughs> take care. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening and door watching. Please like and subscribe and join in the conversation in the comments below.